It was a day of champions in New York. Daniil Medvedev, who halted Novak Djokovic's Grand Slam bid in 2021 by winning his first title, was on the court today, not having any problems. The same goes for Jessica Pagula. She has worked to reach the top of the mountain, but the very summit of the game still eludes her. Will it be different by the end of this tournament? However, it wasn't a day of smooth sailing for all of the former champions, as the former two-time winner Venus Williams had one of her worst days at the office against Greet Minin. And yet, time marches on. Trips Tennis Talk proudly presents the 2023 United States Open Tennis Championships. Alright everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. U.S. Open Day 2 Edition. Coming to you 12.14 a.m. Tournament time on Tuesday night, 9.14 on the West Coast where I am at. Maybe about an hour ago or so. Arena Sabalenka wrapped up her straightforward win. Had some things to get done around the house here before sitting down to record. So I don't have any particular match in mind to start with. So let's get right into a score read for today. I will read out all the scores, and if something comes to mind, I will stop and discuss it. So let's talk about the women's first round action from August 29th. Number three, Jessica Pagula beat Camilla Georgi, 6-2-6-2. That's a nice win for Pagula. Georgi's done well at some slams in the past, but did not have it today. Pagula is actually one of the players that I've got queued up here to listen to. I've got four players that we're going to hear a little bit from today. So even though it's the first one, it's one of them. So let's listen to Jessica Pagula after her win today. Yes. Um, I thought it was, yeah, a good match. You know, Camilla's always very tough. You kind of never know what you're going to get. She's a great ball striker, good athlete, you know, goes for her shot. So I... I knew what I had to do. I've played her several times this year already, a lot of times throughout my career. Um, so I knew what I needed to do, but sometimes it depends as well on how you're playing and how she's playing. But uh, I think I was able to, to kind of execute what I, what I wanted to do today. Okay, very good. Thank you. Andrew, I didn't give you a shot last time. Go right ahead. No problem, yeah. Appreciate it, man. Andrew Jones, ESPN, and Skate. Just congrats on the win in the performance where I just talked to Camilla, and she felt that she didn't even play badly, just that she played so well um, for how you played in this summer and played at such a high level. Um, well, where would you assess that performance from the matches that you played in Montreal winning and just in general how dangerous you know she is? Yeah, I, I think it was one of my better matches. Um, Maybe more how I was playing kind of in Montreal than, let's say, Cincinnati, at least conditions-wise and how I was striking the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I just played really solid. I, I had a lot of depth on my shots, which is important against her because she's someone that plays very aggressive and can attack. Um, but, yeah, I just I think I just did everything really solid. I don't think I did anything spectacular, but everything was pretty even. Um, I'd say the only thing, the first set, my serve was a little off, but I was able to, to get it back and actually serve okay in the second. Summer for you, and yet you were able to get that rest from how Cincinnati went. Do you feel fully all good now and just ready to rock and roll here like that? Yeah, yeah, I feel good. Um, it's nice, obviously, to have some time in between Cincinnati and the Open. And, and, you know, here it's always very busy. There's a lot to do. There's a lot going on. Um, it's New York. So it's nice to come in here feeling refreshed. Uh, I think you have to be in order to to want to, you know, take on hopefully, you know, the next couple weeks here in the city. Okay, Chris. Hey Jess, congrats on the win. Chris Otto with the U.S. Open. Um, doing a piece on late bloomers, and I think you're the last piece of the puzzle. For me. <laughs> um, it probably seems like a lifetime ago, like that, where there were five years where you were struggling 
with injuries, yeah. not breaking into the top 100, not winning much at slams, and then things clicked in 2020, and now you're here. And my question for you is, what kind of fortitude, what kind of perseverance, what kind of things did you need to do to keep believing in that period that you'd have a career like you do now? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, looking back, I think I've said this before. Sometimes I'm like, what was I like? What was I doing? Like, I I really don't know what was going through my head at certain points in my career when I was younger. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't think if, if I didn't get injured, I don't think I'd be where I was, where I am today. And that sounds corny or cliche, but it's really true. I mean, I learned so much from those injuries and when I was hurt that I became like, I don't know why, but I became obsessed with getting better. And I was so much more anal and detail oriented on everything that I did, my warmups, my practices, my cool downs, my rehab, like everything. And I think it's because all I could do is really rehab for those few years in and out of injuries. And that forced me to be really present and into, you know, rehab can be very monotonous and boring and long kind of process, but I just wanted to do everything possible I could to, to try to make sure that I wouldn't get hurt again. And that was my main goal. It was like, I'm not getting hurt again. Like this isn't happening again. And so I just became really like obsessed with making sure I was healthy and getting better. And I think that kind of carried over into every aspect of, my career in my tennis. And then I just worked really hard at it. And I think I became a lot more confident in who I was um, around 24 you know, years old. I was like very confident with making my own decisions where I think when I was younger, I would maybe not feel as comfortable making those decisions, whether it was my schedule or the matches or my practices or doesn't matter what it was. Um, so I think I just, I took ownership, I think of my career. And I really was like, this is what I'm gonna do. If it, I mess up, it's on me, but this is my decision. And I think that really gave me a lot of confidence throughout the years of scheduling tournaments. And I, I think all those things kind of played into my success. So it's a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, I think, just maturity too. I just kind of grew up and yeah, took ownership of, of all the aspects of, of my career. Court. Congrats, Jess. Um, a little bit off of Chris's question, but you have a very good record against Camilla, and your first match was years ago in Lutz, I think, when you were probably yeah, Florida. Major. Florida. Oh, was that Florida? It was like a challenger, right? Was it? Okay. Was it? Or do they not count that? It's on the thing, but... Do they count challengers? Not technically in an official head-to-head. -head, oh. I mean, you played her in one. Where's Lutz? That's what I was gonna ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa. I'm here in Tampa. Yeah, I think it's Florida. I think it's a challenger. Okay. Because I vaguely remember playing her on clay court and like beating her there. It was a good win for me. She was like the one seed or something, and I was younger. And that, that's I mean, we like go back to like challenger days. Like we even played a lot in challengers. They probably don't even have all those on, on record. Do you do you like what was challenger life like for you? is I guess my question, kind of using that as a jumping off point, but when you're a teenager and yeah, you're going around, I mean, what what was it like to be Jess Pagula on the Challenger Tour? I honestly think it's harder on the Challengers Tour than when you actually get to the level here. Not that this is still isn't hard, but to a certain extent, it's like when you're on the Challenger Tour, everyone just wants to win so freaking bad and they're trying to get out of there. And everything around you, like, seems I don't know what it is like plays into it it's like you're on the back court on a bad court the umpire sucks like you're getting bad calls there's coaching there's all these things that like don't happen here that I think levels everybody out no matter how good you are it like kind of balances everyone to where you're like on the same playing field because it's just like all this random stuff happening you know, rain delays, there's nowhere to go. Like you're at a little clubhouse and the schedule's not out and there's no practice courts and there's no ball. Like, it's like everything I think evens everyone, evens everyone out in a way, which makes it really, really hard. And then I feel like when you get here, I don't know, it's almost, it's not that girls don't want to play, but you know, it's, all it takes is one girl doesn't want to show up that day or she's sick or she's tired or she just came off a good result and then someone pulls out and then you win one good match and you're in the third round and you're like, okay, this isn't as hard as I thought it was. So not saying that happens every time. It could be the opposite, but it's, I don't know. It's just different. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's harder being out there. Larry and then Willie. Larry. Hi, um, 
Larry Brooks, New York Post. Um, you're, you're seated third, you're, you're ranked third, and yet so much of the f talk about American women winning here is is focused on your doubles partner. Did, does, does, do you have any reaction to that? Does it give you incentive, or you, or you laugh at it, or there's nothing? Um, I don't know, maybe it's good. <laughs> Coco can take it Fred that pressure not me I don't know um no I I don't I mean I don't mind I like I mean she's been winning a lot I think she deserves a lot of that attention um she's obviously very young she's been playing really well she's super electric to watch um she loves the crowd loves New York so I I know I don't I don't really have a preference um either way I think I just want to continue to to win matches and do the best that I can. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's fun that it's nice that like, even though I am the top American, I, I can't imagine carrying a ton of pressure if it was only me. So it's, it's nice that there's a lot of us um, that are doing well and that have chances to go deep here because at the same time, yeah, I died. I don't think I'd, I mean, I'd take it, but at the same time, it's kind of nice to not feeling like I have to be the one that has to win the U S open when there's like six other girls that could, could do it. So that's nice, I guess. Willie. Willie Weinbaum from ESPN. Congratulations. When you were speaking before about your maturity and different aspects of your development, how has your view and processing of winning and losing changed as you've gotten older and what is it like now when you do have a rough match and lose yeah yeah that's a good question i um yeah when i look back and think about how i used to approach matches i think i just freaked out way too much and made everything such a big deal but when you start winning and you start putting yourself in those situations you realize how it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like it's still, it's a big deal. But when you're out there, you're much more relaxed, you're calm, you're making decisions. I definitely would be the one when I was younger in those matches to get caught up in my frustration if something wasn't working. I didn't really know how to problem solve or, or how to change my game plan or how to play with the score and play with the momentum. Like those are all things I really had to, to learn and come by and that's why I mean when I look back at some of my old matches when I was younger and I'm like what what was I even thinking I don't know what I was doing <laughs> because I'm like now so much different um and honestly probably just played really stupid when I was younger like I just didn't didn't play smart at all I was completely the opposite of what everyone thinks I am now which is hilarious but um yeah I would say and then approaching losses you know when you're younger the losses seem because I mean if you think a match is a super huge deal it's the when you lose it's like the worst day of your life and it feels horrible and I think now still like there are tough losses where it's really 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 hard but I'm able to bounce back a lot quicker and I'm able to just one day okay i'm upset maybe two and i'm able to flip the switch and be like all right well what do i need to work on what do i need to change what can i get better at and i think that's where um when i was younger i would think i don't know if i really went into that thought process that quick i would work hard but i don't think i would mentally kind of get over it like i wouldn't be able to flip it and go all right now i need to improve it was more oh, I can't believe I blew that match or I can't believe I had those chances and I lost it and I don't know how I'm going to win. And it'd be much more negative kind of a thought process. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know. It's so different. I'm just a different person. Like the thought process is just so different. And uh, of course, there's still really, really tough losses that are really hard. But then, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm able to, to kind of bounce back and go back to the drawing board and, and figure it out. Um, yeah, when I was younger, I'm not sure. I think I would just get, get too upset when I lost those matches. Court, last one. Uh, just in, in terms of the camaraderie that you were mentioning before, um, just not having to be the single focus mm -hmm. of a nation, which a lot of other players are. Um, I'm curious if that co kind of rooting interest that you seem to have, like not just you, but all the American players mm -hmm. for each other, is that just pure national pride or is that like friendships from up the ranks like because it seems like a very different vibe on the ATP and WTA side of, of the American crew right now. What does it seem like good vibe? Yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah no no I, I did like in years past it's been a little bit more more competitive sometimes yeah. in pockets and yeah um, you know that sort of thing but it seems like 
people are getting along. Maybe mm -hmm. No, we are. We definitely all get along. Well, I think that's what it is. I think we all get along and we all train together or practice together. And I don't know why maybe it's this generation of players, but um, yeah, I think we all genuinely like are, are friends and we practice together and we still want to beat each other, but it's nice for us to see other people. And I think we've kind of embraced the fact that even though we're all competing for rankings and tournaments, and even if they you, you play each other, you want to beat each other, you're pushing each other at the same time. And I think that's something that I think the guys are doing um, well with Fritz, Paul, um, TFO, like you see them kind of pushing each other and they're all going higher and higher and higher. And again, I, I don't know if it's something that you're consciously thinking of, but it's definitely happening. I mean, I could even say that with Coco and I, like we've kind of come up the ranks together. I mean, even though we have a big age gap, but at the same time, we're at the same kind of area of our career, did well in doubles together. And then even this summer, like she won DC and played a great match and then I beat her. And I feel like that gave me confidence to win the tournament. And then I think her seeing me win the tournament gave her confidence to win Cincy. And I think those are just little things that when you practice with someone a lot and you're around them and you have a good mindset and you're pushing each other, um, yeah, when you see each other, I even remember when I was hurt watching all the American girls do well, and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I, I beat them in practice that like I could be doing the same thing. So I think you kind of, um, you do, there's a little edge of, of pushing each other as well. Um, I think that's kind of something we're all, we're all doing, but at the same time, you know, we're all pretty good friends and um, get along really well too. And yeah, it's just, I feel like it is, it's a good vibe right now. And I, I hope we can have good success at this tournament for sure. All right, that was Jessica Pagula. And uh, the next one on the list here is Venus Williams, but I'm going to come back to that later since I don't want to play two videos in a row here. Madison Keys beat Arancha Roos, 6-2, Ans Jabor really struggled today. She had the doctor out. She got her blood pressure checked. Like, remember, any of you guys out there remember the quote, check her blood pressure? I think that was Maria Sharapova, but I might be wrong about that. Ans Jabor struggled, but got the win, 7-5-7-6 against Osorio. Jabor just seems unhappy these days. We all know why, because of Wimbledon. But it seems like every time she plays, there's a burden that she carries with her. I saw her live in Cincinnati, and she had to make a 5-1 comeback in the first round there. And that was not necessarily a happy day at the office for Anz Jabor, and today wasn't either. Arena Sabalenka beat Zanevska 6-3-6-2. Sabalenka's serve was not working, especially early on, but she pulverizes that ball, so it was not a issue today against Zanevska. Zanevska is retiring from tennis after the loss today. She is 30 years old. She's been on the tour for a while, originally from Odessa. Um, I'm honestly not that familiar with her, but she's played over 600, over 700 uh, WTA matches. Um, she's played the majors mostly in qualifying for the last 10 years. And she's got a WTA title 2021 in Poland. So happy um, happy trails to uh, Zanevska. Alexandrova beat Leila Fernandez 7-6, 5-7, 6-4. The two finalists from two years ago, Emma Raducanu and Leila Fernandez, Emma Raducanu did not post this week, and Leila Fernandez won a single set. What happened two years ago was one of the, uh, you know, in hindsight, one of the uh, all-time lottery ticket runs. They've done nothing for two years. Um... Kennan beat Bogdan, 7-6-6-4. Kennan is going to be back in the top 100 after that win. Petra Martic beat Tatiana Maria, 6-2-6-1. Six, six, 
Tig beat Marino 7-6-7-6. Um, Wong defeated the number 7 seed, Carolyn Garcia, 6-4-6-1. Garcia's played, I think, every single major for the last 12 years or so, and she's made the semifinals one time, and that was at last year's U.S. Open. So even though she's a top 8 seed, this is not a surprise whatsoever. And that part of the draw is now available. Sasha Vickery beat Donna Vekic 2-6-7-5-6-2. So she would have been a set and five all down in that one before getting the win. Let's stop and talk about Donna Vekic for a second. She's been being coached by Pam Shriver. She was a trendy pick at the start of the season, going through to the middle of the season to make deep runs at slams. Let's check on how she's been doing. So this year at the Grand Slams, she made the quarterfinals of Australia. That's when a lot of that hype started. Then second round French Open, third round Wimbledon, first round U.S. Open. So uh, Donna Vekic uh, did not pan out in 2023. So far, anyway. Katie Bolter beat Perry 6-4-6-love. Daria Kastikina beat, uh, came back on Alicia Parks, 2-6-6-4-6-2. Bushkova beat Kruger, 7-5-6-4. Korpats beat Begu, 6-3-6-2. Lys, L-Y-S, beat Montgomery, 6-2-6-1. Clara Tawson beat a seeded player Potapova, Seven six three six six three. Jody Burridge beat Blinkova six three six four. Lesya Serenko beat Jacquemont seven five three six six one. Samsonova beat Claire Liu seven six six three. Burrell beat Dolahide six four six three. Kinwen Zhang, one of my major winners. Picks for this year beat Nadia Podoroska 6-1, 6-love. Maybe Zhang is going to come through me, come through for me at the end here, but in all likelihood, not. Linda Noskova beat Madison Brangle, 6-2, 6-1. Peyton Stearns beat Tomova, 6-3, 6-4. Pavlyuchenkova beat Crawley, 6-2, 6-4. Bronzetti beat Barbora Krejcikova, the 12 seed, 6-4-7-6. Back in February of this year, Barbora Krejcikova claimed she was at the same level as the big three of Rybakina, Sviantek, and Sabalenka. And for most of the year, she's done absolutely nothing. So besides being mocked mercilessly by the tennis podcast, she's done nothing of note this season. Trevisan beat Yulia Putinseva in the most tennis scoreline ever. Love 6, 7 6, 7 6. So it was Love 6, 7 6, and the breaker was 7 0. Then the third set breaker was 10 8 in 3 hours and 19 minutes. Pliskova beat Rus 6 1, 6 4. In a throwback to 2009, Janina Wickmeyer beat Vera Zvonareva 6-4-6-4. Kaya Kanepi beat Barbora Strikova 6-4-6-4. Marketa Vondrosheva won her eighth consecutive Grand Slam match, beating Han 6-3-6-love. And Elena Svidalina continued her good Grand Slam form, beating Annalena Friedsam. 6-3, 6-1 in 59 minutes. Now let's circle back to Venus Williams. So she played Greet Menon today on Arthur Ashe Stadium Court in the first night session match, and it was never competitive. Menon was victorious, 6-1, 6-1 over Venus. The actual match itself was very awkward. The crowd was completely dead. It was embarrassing. It was awkward. It was tension-filled. Venus couldn't really move. 
Minin would do a drop shot and Venus would kind of take two steps and then stop moving, you know, 12 steps short of it, it was pretty obvious, even to the casual eye, that Venus was not fit to play. And I've been telling anyone who will listen about the wild cards. Venus Williams, I have no issues with Venus Williams getting a wild card to this tournament. Because obviously, you know, you'd have thought that she could win more than two games. But this has happened before. You know, Venus kind of losing, you know, matches in straight sets. Maybe not like this, but, you know, you know maybe four and three, something like that. At what point, because there's, there's two sides to this, and, you know, even just to take a step back further for the uninitiated, a wild card is there's a certain number of slots in each draw that the tournament can fill with literally whoever they want. There are no formal rules uh, that regulate wild cards. If they want to give it to Venus Williams, they totally can. If... Roger Federer woke up one morning and said, I want to come back. There would be a wild card available for him at whatever event he wanted to play in the world. In theory, they could also give it to somebody off the street. Obviously, they would never do that. But in theory, that could happen. And from the Venus Williams side, I mean, today obviously can't have been fun for her as a professional. Even if she's continuing to play tennis quote-unquote, for the love of the game, unquote, understanding that she might not contend for the biggest titles, and she just wants to play events and play matches and have competitive matches, get a win here and there, and be Venus Williams, and that's great. But at some point, she's not going to even be able to do that. She's 43 years old now and quite injured often. As a player... When do you stop? Is that fun doing that? Maybe it is. Maybe she'll keep doing that for another 20 years and she'll she'll show up, she'll get a wild card, she'll win two games, and she'll collect her check and then go back to whatever else she's doing. If they keep giving her wild cards, she should absolutely do that for as long as she wants. Um, I don't think we should tell athletes when to retire. I think... We went through that a lot with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal and Andy Roddick sort of in the 2010s, and I think that experience has taught me, and, you know, outside of tennis with guys like Tom Brady in the NFL, I think that has taught me to not really expend too much energy worrying about having an opinion that somebody else should stop doing their job. I just think, as a human, that's not really a thing that we should spend much time on. But for Venus herself, I wonder what she thinks. You know, I wonder when... I wonder what criteria would need to be met for her to stop at this point. And for the tournament, you give wild cards and you hope that the players can play competitive matches. Maybe they're not going to go that far in the tournament, but if you give a wild card to a, like a young kid and they draw Djokovic and Djokovic wins 7-5-7-5-6-4, that would be a good result because it was a nice kind of competitive t- sort of match. And when you don't have that, when you give a wild card to someone who wins two games and you have the vibe that was in the stadium tonight, not a good one, and you have bad ticket value because the match was only 74 minutes long, and you have discontent fans, that's kind of on the tournament. And they're potentially impacting their bottom line by giving a negative experience to customers for one of the players that they vouched for by giving the wild card to. So I wonder uh, how many more times... You know, because obviously Venus has such goodwill and such heightened status in world sport that she will continue to get wild cards for several tournaments after this, if not more. But if Venus does that five more times, which is a lot, would they eventually stop getting giving out wild cards if she asks for them? What if Venus asks for a wild card and someone doesn't give it? 
what criteria would need to happen for that to occur. A match like tonight would certainly fit that bill. Maybe not as a one-off, but again, if that happens five more times, I think that criteria could start to be considered and start to be uh, on the table. Um, and uh, so uh, Venus Williams was not the winner today. I appreciate the U.S. Open posting the press conference of notable players that lost, because some tournaments, number one, some tournaments don't post press conferences at all, and number two, other tournaments only post the press conference of the winners, but I appreciate that they posted a first-round loser press conference. But uh, here's Venus Williams. Let's listen in. Willie Weinbaum with ESPN. Venus, before the Cleveland event, you said that your knee was not supporting you being on the court. What effect did your injury have on your play and your mobility this evening? Um, I, th- I mean, I think first I have to give credit to my opponent. I mean, there wasn't a shot she couldn't make. Even when I hit really amazing shots, she just hit a winner or um, a drop shot. So... Um, I don't think I played badly. I think it was just one of those days where it's just unlucky. Um, My preparation was definitely minimal, um, but I don't think that it necessarily um, affected the bulk of my performance. I think there were just shots where, um, you know, my footwork wasn't really there. Um, A lot of backhands I missed where my feet just weren't there. And um, that's normal when you don't spend a lot of time on the court. so, but I, I really have to give credit to her. It's, it was just incredible, honestly. I mean, if she can play like that, you imagine that she can be in the top 10 or perhaps number one, or maybe like win a grand slam, something like that, you know, if if she can play in this at this level. Let me just stop that for a second. That really annoys me. That, whatever. Andrew. Andrew Jones for ESPN and Skate. Um, Venus, yeah, that's, that's the best I've ever seen Greek play. And yeah, you still had pace on your shot, and you've right. still shown that all throughout this year, pace on your shot, yeah. especially beating Camilla on the grass oh, in Birmingham. Yeah. So you just talk about that where it's just all about just being able to get up yeah. in there. Yeah, I think that's Camilla. the best Greek ever saw Greek play. So, um, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, that's that's great for her to reach that level. Um, you know, for me, I haven't played a lot of matches this year. So um, I, I did like, I've you know, the times that I could play, I gave it my all. You know, I got a handful of matches and it wasn't the year I was expecting, but I gave it everything I had. Brian. Uh, Brian Lewis, New York Post. Um, this is twofold. I mean, we know how much this tournament means to you i'm just curious a where your emotions are with it not ending the way you would have hoped mm-hmm. and second the year you talk to yourself about the lack of ability to be able to prepare the way you're accustomed yeah. to when you're assessing how long you want to continue playing is it about the results or is it about your ability to prepare between those results the way that you Obviously, preparation is always a fantastic thing to have in life in general, especially as an athlete. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely could have hoped for more throughout the year. Honestly, I just had some bad, really bad luck. Um, I don't think it was a lack of my body not holding up. It was just a lack of like really bad luck with injuries. Um, There were things I couldn't control. And um, I was really happy to be here. Um, when I had to withdraw from Cleveland, I wasn't sure that that I could be here. So I have to really thank my doctors for helping me to get here. <laughs> um, so that in itself was a blessing. And I, I love playing here. And um, I really gave it my all today. And I'm, I really, you know, played some great shots. But she had some incredible answers to that. And um, I wish I could have been more prepared for that. In the back, David. Venus, David Kane, Tennis.com. Does the belief and, and knowledge that you can play so much better help your motivation going forward? Um, 
I, I don't know if I think about that like every day. I mean, I put in the time when I can and um, yeah, beliefs, beliefs always there. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think about necessarily like that on the day-to-day -day basis. Hi, Venus. Uh, Darcy Maine from eastfan.com. I know you're just a couple minutes off the court, but have you given any thought to the rest of your schedule this year? Will you be playing in any more events in 2023? Right. Um, I typically haven't really played after the U.S. Open for a number of years now. Um, I may reconsider that this year because um, my year didn't go the way I, <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, the way I thought it would go. And, you know, I feel like I was like getting really good momentum into Wimbledon and, um, you know, that fall really kind of threw a loop, threw me for a loop for the summer. So, um, I don't know, I might, but I, I don't know what I'll do this fall. So definitely too soon to say. Take a couple more, Barbara. Um, Barbara Barker from Newsday. For two things, first of all, how hot, hard or odd was it to be here without your sister in a tournament where you guys are, were together so much? And, and second of all, I mean, do you see yourself, a lot of people do, as an inspiration for people to keep doing something that they love and, you know, your determination? I mean, do you view yourself that way? Um, I'm, I mean, I, I was very much aware that Serena wouldn't be playing the tournament, so I think that was okay. Um, I've had a chance to get used to that idea even before she retired, so I, I kind of knew that was coming. And, um, yeah, I think you should always go for your dreams. And for me, I haven't had a lot of chances to play this year or last year. So uh, I think the key for me is to just stay healthy and, and gain some momentum. And I mean, that's the key for any athlete. Take two more. One, and your last question. Hi, Venus, Dan Matthews, Daily Mail. I just wonder, what will it be that what will be the decisive factor in, in when you choose what you do next and what would it well, be? I wouldn't tell you, so <laughs> I don't know why you're asking. <laughs> Last question. Hi, Sherry Taylor, New York Beacon. Um, a lot of people were here to see you tonight. Um, I talked to some adults who said they had a poster of you on their wall when they were teenagers. Um, how did it feel like to hear that support tonight when you're out on the court? Yeah, it was really great to hear the support. Um, I know that the fans have been here for me forever. So that's fantastic to still have that support even more than ever. Um, so it's a beautiful thing and I, I love the open. All right, that was Mrs. Williams, Miss Williams. All right, men's results for today. The 2021 champion, Daniil Medvedev, beat Balaz, 6-1, 6-1, 6-1, um, He was That guy has been out uh, for a couple years, and he's back on a protected ranking, so that's why he got in. Um, Carlos Alcaraz beat Dominic Kupfer, 6-2, 3-2, retired. John Isner's career will continue. He beat Diaz Acosta, 6-4, um, Yannick Sinner beat Yannick Humpfman, 6-3, Sid Hoffman or Sid Frenchman? Andy Murray beat Corentin Mute, 6-2, in 2 hours 58 minutes. Stan Wawrinka became the oldest man to win at the U.S. Open in 31 years. He beat Yoshihito Nishioka 7-6, 6-2, 6-4. Melagany Alves beat Duckworth 6-4, 7-6, uh, Yibeng Wu beat Dusan Lajevic 3-6, 6-4, 2-6, 6-4, 6-2. Andre Rublev beat Kazo. 647661 Michel I don't know how to say that one yet. The American beat Ramos Vinyalas 6-4-6-3-6-4. Sonigo beat Moreno de Alboran 6-3-6-4-6-2. Grigor Dimitrov beat Alex Molchan 6-7-6-7-6-1. 
7.576 in 4 hours and 38 minutes. Um, Dimitrov was 2 sets to love down, came back to force a 5th set, got to a 5th set tiebreak. He was down 7-9 in the breaker, double match point. He won 4 points in a row to get that victory. That is uh, some nice digging in a way that we don't often see from Dimitrov or that we haven't seen over the last decade, even if it was just against Alex Molchan. It's nice to know that he can still do that. Um, I've got um, clips from Stan Vavrenka and Grigor Dimitrov. I'm going to hold off on playing those till I get to the end of this read here. Thomas Martin Echeverry beat Vertanen. In 4 hours, 25 minutes, 6-3, Daniel Altmaier beat Constant Lestienne, 6-7, Bodic Van de Zanschulp beat Jordan Thompson, 6-3, retired. Arthur Rinderneck beat Diego Schwartzman, 6-3, 6-4, Fear that uh, Diego's best days might be behind him here. Shu beat Kokonakis, 6-3, Arthur Feast got a nice mini upset over the number 24 seed Talon Greek Spore, 4-6, 6-3, 5-7, 6-4, and 3 hours 58. Hubert Hercotch came back from two sets down against Hessler, Four six five seven seven six six three six one, not close in the end. Cam Nori beat Sevchenko six three six two six two. Alex Damanor beat Skatov six two three six six one seven five. Michael Moe beat Karen Hatchinov, the eleven seed six two six four six two. Based on that scoreline and the disparity in ranking and such. You have to think Kachanov is still injured because he's been doing well in slams until recently. Dan Evans beat Daniel Elahi Galan 6-4-6-2-7-5. Nicholas Jerry beat Luca Van Esch 6-3-3-6-6-2-7-6. That match was 3 hours and 35 minutes and only one set got 4 games in it. Went to, you know, had 4 games or more for the loser of the set. Sebastian Baez won again. He beat Borna Chorich, 7-5-7-5-6-1. Arnaldi beat Kubler, 6-3, one love, retired. Lloyds of London Harris beat Guido Pea, 7-6-6-4-6-4. Chris O'Connell beat Max Purcell. That's a good win there. Purcell's been doing well. O'Connell wins, 6-4-6-3-3-6-7-6. Jack Draper beats Radu Albot. Shout out to Radu Albot playing a match at the U.S. Open. Draper wins 6-1, 6-4, 6-3. Monfils beats Taro Daniel. 4-6, 6-4, 6-2, in a fun one. That's your typical Gael Monfils third court, fourth court at a Grand Slam at a happy, <coughs> at happy hour sort of match. And Alexander Zverev beats Vukic 6-4-6-4-6-4 so next let's hear from Grigor Dimitrov I'm trying to switch up the press conference videos for early in the tournament here Alcaraz and Djokovic and all the rest of them we're going to hear from them plenty in the next week or so and beyond so let's take some time to listen to other players like Grigor Dimitrov who won from two match points down earlier today. You're just sort of holding, waiting to see it whatever. Well, I mean, I had to stay through, to be honest, on in a lot of, uh, I think on a lot of points throughout this, uh, I think throughout the match, it was, uh, it was very frustrating, the first, uh, frustrated the, the first two sets, I'm not going to lie, it was a very, I felt all the time I was creating the game and I was doing more with the ball and, but also at the same time I was doing more mistakes, so it was yeah it was extremely frustrating for me to to just not being able to convert any of those shots and and even stay in his uh, service game, which for me was also a part where I was reading the serve very well, but I, I I was just not able to do something with it, and it was very. Uh, 
honestly, it felt, I felt very strange at some point because I was thinking, what am I doing that is so wrong? Uh, because I stepped back, it didn't work. I stepped closer, it didn't work. So the, the ball is kind of skidding through a lot on very specific places. And then, I don't know, I thought to myself in the third, I said, okay, I'm actually playing very good. So it's not like I'm playing poorly, so let's just get on with it and start to be a little bit more aggressive. And that I think that third set, well, yeah, it was, you know, 6-1. It, it, it really, like, kind of... Uh, I saved up on like some gas. I knew he, I knew he might be struggling a little bit in the fourth, but he's a very tough opponent. So you know, I didn't I didn't let go of the of the pedal on that one. And then uh, yeah, I think the that, that fifth set was a joke. Was <laughs> 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 a joke. Well, what does it feel like to to come through a fight like like this at this point in your career, especially? Oh, it's great! It's amazing. I mean, there's there's not much to say, other than how how good is that? I mean, and to feel to feel my body good as well with no pain or anything, oh, it's fantastic. I mean, yeah, I wish all the players at that age they feel that way. To be honest, I mean, this is a, uh, it's great. I mean, I'm very, um, I think, pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, a lot of hard work paid off. Uh, Great for all the team to see that. Great for my fitness coach to see that. I think just overall, it was a, it's a great validation. I would say for for everyone that that uh, has been helping me throughout the years, and in the same time, it was it's a great. Uh, I think it's my first match that I'm coming back from two sets to life. If I remember correct. I was wondering about that. If I yeah. Wrong or not. Yeah, I, I started thinking a little bit, and I, I cannot remember another one that. I've lost, I remember I've lost uh, the fifth, but never won it, I would say, yeah. So yeah, for the first time after so many years, absolutely. Nice. I'll take it, yeah. 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 We're at sort of an interesting time of transition in tennis with Rogers gone now and Rafa announcing that he's going. And you're younger than them, but you're mm -hmm. also not Carlos Alcaraz. You're sort of mm -hmm. this tweener. And I just sort of, where do you view yourself in that... <laughs> In that middle ground, as far as where you are in your career, you know, it's a. I, I don't want to. I don't think it's the topic like for me to that I personally like to discuss. But this is what I'm gonna say. For me, like, we were that that generation in between, and how many of us are playing, like around that age that that I'm that I'm that I'm at. I mean, there's not that many players that are 32, 33 right now on tour. Um, that I keep on going and stuff. I mean, it's th there are a few, yes, but you know, it's a very for me being from that part of the the generation. I can I can definitely see every every transition, so to speak. And I think now uh, I think we're gonna see more transi transition overall. I mean, clearly. Um, Alcaraz has set the bar very high for um, for for all the youngsters, the youngsters, youngsters that are around 20. So for sure, he he has set up the the bar very high. Um, for me personally, I would love to see how everything is gonna unfold in the next two three years. Um, I I think we'll be surprised how how many changes we'll have. We can ask you your next match, Andy. You've got you played some great matches with them over the years. Yeah. How do you? But you, the, the coaching Danny and Jamie obviously known pretty well. How do you think that changes the dynamic of the match? No, I mean I've I've played. I don't know how many times we've played a lot. Eleven. Eleven. Okay, so eleven times. So we, I think there's no secrets uh, with or without the coaches uh, coming out there on the court. But uh, you know it's it's another it's another match that I need to treat like every other match really and and he's been playing better and better uh, he seems more um, you know more safe more excited on the court he starts going for his shots a lot so I mean it's it's going to be a I mean I'm expecting a very tough match to be honest there's uh, in a way that's that that's all I'm sure we both of us are going to treat that as every other match and with Jamie, sorry, Danny yeah. in particular, I think he's he's here with you. Mm -hmm. Will you sit down and talk to him specifically about Andy? 
mean, we, we'll we'll talk uh, talk a lot about that. I mean, just me, Jamie, and and Danny. We we, we like to talk about the any opponent that we play and any opponent that we actually like to watch and uh, and anything like that. So of course we will talk about it. But as as I said, you know, it's not gonna be any any crazy strategies or something like that. It's a pretty straightforward match, I would say. That, yeah. uh, the, the uh, Wimbledon 2014 is that is that your favorite memory of matches with Andy? No. no, no. My favorite with him is uh, in Acapulco. Why, why so? Why um, it's easy to play when you're in the zone. I think it's easy to do a lot of things when you're in the zone and in that state of flow that everything just goes on and it was a straight set win. Uh, but I think the one in Acapulco was the one where I felt like. It was a very hard fought, uh, fought one, and then I think that um, that's the one that, for me personally, sticks out the most. Where's where's the joy in the sport for you now compared to when you first fell in love with tennis? Where's the, the whole joy? Process too, the, the 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 practices, the match play, the competition, all of it. Let's rephrase that the joy because I always have joy when I'm out here and. I mean, I'm. Uh, let's no, let's put it. Yeah. Missing. I'm just okay, saying. Yeah, yeah. What, where, what level is it yeah, for yeah. you? Now? Okay. Do you get the joy out of the sport as much as you always have? Um. Definitely, I, I would say yes. But there are definitely moments where you need to pace yourself different, and I think this is where the the moment comes where you need to look after your body a little bit more. You need to. Uh, see what you eat. Uh, see how you're gonna schedule your the whole week of practice. Like you, those, those gaps that sort of when you're younger, like those type those type of gaps you can have fairly like often. Like maybe you skip like I don't know like a, a meal. You might have an extra cheat meal. You might sleep less, and you're still gonna feel good. Now it's different for sure. I mean you you see it. I mean I'm. But I'm also enjoying that part of it. I think a lot more now. Like I feel like more more comfortable in my own skin with uh, with everything that I do, uh, from from eating whatever I have to do to going to bed at 9:30 and and still feel very happy to wake up and have a first thing coffee in the morning and go for a walk at 6:30. I mean, but it's just it's just how um, how I've I think adapted myself to 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 every year being being on tour. I mean. I've been doing it I don't know how many years now but it's I feel like every year I'm I'm more and more like like comfortable and and I I can and I feel like I have a lot of leverage over a lot of players in a sense of experience of course there's better players at the moment than me and anything like that there's no doubt but uh I by me doing all these things I give myself a, a another chance and I think that's where until I have racket I think I have a chance you, you were Number one junior, you won junior Wimbledon. I'm sure when you started on the main tour, you thought, I'm going to win some slams here, I could, could win slams. Mm -hmm. Do you still think that, or was there a time that you thought to yourself, well, I might not win one? You know, things change in the, in the way you yeah. look at this. You, you always think about uh, both sides, to be honest. I mean, I think, I mean, have I lost this match? I would, think, I would say no, right? <laughs> but then if now I, I want it, I can, I'm going to say yes. However, we, uh, as I said, we're in a very particular spot in our sport right now, where a lot of players are starting to play good. A lot of, I think, also a lot of players are starting to believe in themselves more. Of the sort of the higher ranking guys, like you know, from 50 to 100, there's not that much of a difference, to be honest. And from 50 to 20, it's not that big either. 20 to 10, it's it's there, but. You still, you, you still, if you get like a hypothetical good draw somewhere and all that, and if you use it, things can go also the, in a very positive way. So, as I said, while I have a racket in my hand, I really like my chances, and I, I still believe that there's, there's a few things that I slightly can improve. Um, and if you still, if you have the belief, if the body is holding up well, you know, any anything can happen. We've seen crazy things over over the years, and. I mean, in the end, you also ask yourself, why not? And I think in our sport, it's vital to be, to try to, to, to remain positive and, and excited, I think, throughout, throughout the time. I know it's very hard, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Some players must feel 
Like they, yeah, yeah. There's very little chance they could win a slam, but you might win a 250 or a 500. Of course, of course. So, so you're almost in yeah. very different tools. Yeah, but but also for me, like. Even, even, yeah, exactly. But even if I have, my point is, even if I have, it's been a while since I've won actually a tournament overall. So I'm trying to set my, my, my goal on something that it's like doable right now as well. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not able to do it, especially like if I'm, if I have enough in my tank and everything. As, as I said, like I'm, if I'm moving well and I'm feeling good on the court and all that. Yes, there will be players that I think they can. For sure, beat me, but also there's a lot of players I can beat as well. So, you know, for me to to think of a slam right now, it's it's good, but I have it as a in a in a different space in my head right now because I know you know if I go by priorities, will be I want to go back to top ten. I want to win just just an event again, you know. So so you can ramp up and and start having that 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 belief even more. All right, that was Grigor Dimitrov. And one more clip. Let's hear from former U.S. Open champion Stan the Man Vavrinka. Yeah, it was a really, really good match. I was expecting a tough battle against Nishioka. He's a tough player to play, but I'm, I'm happy with the performance tonight. Uh, winning three sets is a, is, a, is a good match. Again, the level was, uh, level was great, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to get through that one. Okay, very good. Questions? Richard. Richard Osborne, USopen.org. Congrats on the win. I wanted to ask you about emotions in tennis. We've seen a lot of great tearful moments on the court and happy and sad moments over the years. I remember you and Roger at Indian Wells, and there's been some tears at this part of your uh, career coming back, and I just wondered if you'd reflect on that and what it's like to be on court when those emotions overtake you. Yeah, there's a, of course a lot of emotion in, in general in, in the tennis world. It's a it's an individual sport. You always end up uh, you are with your team, but you always end up being alone on the court. So you also want to to push yourself to the maximum to be the better player, uh, best as possible. And of course, you're gonna have some some up and downs during a, a full career uh, with some positive uh, emotion when you win, with some tough one when you lose. Uh, there's many kind of emotion. There is a general emotion. There is emotion during matches that you can see why why some players get nervous, why you don't get nervous, why why you you start to be a little bit tight or not. But uh, it's uh, it's part of the uh, beauty of the sport, I would say, and that's uh, also one of the main reason I, I keep going is to get those those emotion, uh, hopefully a positive one. But uh, yeah, to get what you, the feeling that. Uh, that you get when you enter the court with so many people, when you play US Open, when you play the, the, the biggest tournaments in the world. Uh, I never forgot why I started playing tennis and what I was dreaming when I was young is to play to play US Open, to play those Grand Slam, big tournaments, ATP tournaments, to be, to be there. So I'm, I'm happy I can still uh, play at that level. Shioka, uh, just it's been uh, six years since you played uh, Yoshi last time, and uh, he just said that the quality of your shots are as good as he played uh, six years ago. Uh, how did you feel? What is your assessment? Uh, do you feel that you are as good as five, six years ago? I think I'm playing well. I'm not trying to compare from from the past because it's it's never a good idea to compare when a few years ago uh, what I was doing. But uh, I'm happy with my level. I know I know where where I am right now. I know I can beat some some really good player. I can uh, be really competitive. I'm I'm, I'm moving well and uh, yes, today was a, was a great match. Uh, really high level, really high intensity, and I'm happy to get through in three sets. And most most important for me is like to keep to keep going to keep going in the right direction La last few months have been uh, almost better every week with uh, more win with more confidence with what I'm, I'm doing so yeah hopefully I can keep pushing myself and get uh, some big results before the end of the year uh, Adishina Koiki USOpen.org and a lot of sports talk uh, you just won your 45th match here in New York which is as many as any other major that you have um, uh, 
given you know all the memories that you've had, is how important is it to win in New York? It's the first time since 2019 uh, that you've won here in New York, and as a city. Uh, New York. Have you always liked it? Is it something that you had to grow into like in New York City? Is it something that, you know, what are you feeling about just New York City in general and living here for the first time in four years? For me, I, I love New York. It's one of my favorite city. I always say to my team, my friend, when I come back, I really, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I love the the atmosphere. It's uh, of course super intense, uh, but we're here only for two, three weeks maximum. So you want to enjoy as much as possible. And Yes, uh, from I always uh, love the condition here. They quite uh, tough condition, more physical condition with a lot of humidity. It can be really hot also. A little bit some. This year is a little bit slower, so it's always been some some good condition for my game style, and I always enjoy to 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 be coming back here. And as I say, I'm happy that I can still perform at that level, that I can still be here, winning first run, and uh, hopefully keep uh, pushing myself. Okay, that was Stan the Man. What that reporter said there, taking a look, Vavrinka's won 43 times in Australia, matches, 45 matches at Roland Garros, 22 at Wimbledon, he's not very good there, and now 45 at the U.S. Open. Pretty interesting. Order of play, second round action, Wednesday, August 30th. Court 17. 11 a.m. start. Beatriz Haddad Maya versus Taylor Townsend. Christopher Eubanks versus Benjamin Bonzi. Tommy Paul versus Roman Sifulin. 6 p.m. Magdalenette versus Jennifer Brady. Grandstand Court. 11 a.m. start. Stefano Sitsipas versus Dominic Stricker. Victoria Azarenka versus Zhu Lin. 3 p.m. doubles. Goff and Pagula, that's why, against uh, Gleason and Mandlik. 5 p.m., Casper Ruud versus Zhijin Zhang. Louis Armstrong Stadium, 11 a.m. start. Elise Mertens versus Danielle Collins. Iga Sviantek versus Daria Saville. Dominic Team versus Ben Shelton. Arthur Ashe Stadium, 12 p.m. start. Coco Goff versus Mira Andreva, followed by Novak Djokovic versus Bernabe Zapata Mirlales. Taking a look at the outside courts, let's see what we got there. Benchich is on court five. Jerry, or Jera, Laszlo Jerry, not Nicholas Jerry. Kirstea, uh. Uh, Mukova is on court 11. That's kind of rough. Adrian Manorino is out there against Fabian Marijan. Yuri Vesely versus Francisco Sarundolo. Juan Manuel Sarundolo versus Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. All right, the night matches. 7 p.m. on Arthur Ashe. Francis Tiafo versus Sebastian Offner. And on Armstrong at 7, it's Elena Rybakina versus Alia Tomlanovich. Nightcap matches on Louis Armstrong Stadium. Taylor Fritz versus Juan Pablo Verias. And it's got to be the match of the day, right? Petra Kvitova against Carolyn Wozniacki. Party like it is 2009. The WTA has got to have that head-to-head on their front page. Let me see if they do. And they don't. Let me see if I can uh, get that here. Let's, uh, oh, it's going to take too much time. Let's go Kvitova. So we get Kvitova in this little machine here, and we go to uh, Wozniacki. Uh, and that head-to-head is 8-6 to six in favor of Kvitova. And their first meeting was in 2009, which Wozniacki won. And their most recent meeting was the 2018 WTA Finals, which Wozniacki also won. Their Grand Slam meetings, they've played at a Grand Slam once. 2010 Wimbledon, Kvitova beat the number three seed Wozniacki, 6-2, 6-love. 
kind of interested by that, actually, because that was before Kvitova won. That was the year before she won the first time. Um, interesting. So the tennis world is going to be rolling back the years tomorrow night. Um, app coverage starts at 11 a.m. Eastern. ESPN comes on at 12, and then two channels at 7 o'clock. ESPN with Arthur Ashe, ESPN2 with Armstrong. That's going to do it for today's pod. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye.